Hello and welcome to the McGettin Fry's Movie Podcast. Today we are reviewing The Shape of Water, but before we get to that, I'm Ian McNally. And I'm Gavin Yap. We are proudly sponsored by Green Room 136. Uh, it's a Malaysian independent bag company specializing in the design and manufacturing of various urban carry gear. Urban carry gear. Uh, they have all sorts of different sizes of bags and side keeps and wallets. Everything you possibly want to put anything in. Mm-hmm. Um, from heads and from six heads and a duffel ba- duffel bag <laughs> to just somewhere to put your laptop when you're in between busy meetings. That's right. Um, if you go to greenroom136.com, tell them we said hi. But also, you can use the discount code MACYAP10. That's that's M C Y A P one zero, and you can get ten percent off at your next purchase. Mm-hmm. And they do good shit. I'm the proud owner of a couple of pieces. Yes. If you have a look at our Instagram account on at McGavin Fries, you can see all the pieces that Gavin was able to fit in his piece. That's right. <laughs> when he was shooting his movie. Got a lot of pieces in my piece. Yeah. He's all up in here. So, uh, yeah, full disclosure, this is clearly coming after The Shape of Water is just one... Uh, best Picture yeah. at the recent Academy Awards. And uh, also, you, you've already reviewed this, right? At, at the movies? Yes, I've seen it twice. Yeah. So I, this is the other thing. Like, yeah, you may think, oh, late to the party, hashtag late to the party, but this is only coming out in Malaysia now. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we're doing and now. I only just saw it the other day. Uh, so yeah, let's the, just... The, the Shape of Water, or as I like to call it, Grinding Nemo. Grinding Nemo. <laughs> I thought online, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? Eliza, come on. So, so yeah, I'm, I like Guillermo del Toro. I'm a huge uh, Guillermo del Toro fan. Big, big fan of all of his movies. Uh, even, even the stuff that I'm not too crazy about, I still think that uh, they rate higher than a lot of other filmmaker stuff. Like, like I wasn't crazy about Crimson Peak. Mm. Um, I always think of it as Crimson Perak. Well, Crimson Peak, but then again, at the same time, you know, it was still there were still certain aspects of that film that I really, really liked. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to visuals, it's hard to um, it's hard to knock Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, uh, something that comes across in a lot of his movies as well is it always felt like compromise like he wasn't getting what he needed and this movie is still that and we'll get to that later mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this felt like more what he wanted on screen than most of it the, the Hellboy stuff always felt compromised for me well I mean I think one one review said that it's his most successful film like artistically since Pan's Labyrinth and I would say yeah. that's true yeah I would say I would completely agree with that yeah uh, because you know aside from Crimson Peak I'm not a fan of Pacific Rim yeah uh I great, thought I thought great soundtrack though. I thought Pacific Rim looked great, had a yeah. great idea, but there was something about just the way it was put together that just didn't connect with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sequel, was it the was sequel, it Charlie Hunnam? It might have you know, <laughs> Char- Charlie Hunnam didn't didn't help matters, but then again, you know, I'm willing to put my shit aside. Yeah, yeah. If a movie's good, and it's got giant robots throwing boats at monsters, every you know that's just it. Everything about that movie, in theory, should have tickled all of my funny bones, and for some bizarre reason, it just didn't. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't come together for me for some bizarre reason. I'm still trying to figure that out. When I when I when I, <laughs> when I think of Pacific Rim, when I think about it conceptually, I'm like, why didn't I like this? Yeah. And and I and I can't you know it's just I guess it just wasn't done in a way that. Clicked with me. Yeah, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And that was disappointing for me about mm. a movie about giant fucking robots. I mean, mm. it could have been this generation's robot jocks. It could have been. <laughs> that, that's high praise. <laughs> but anyway, at a, uh, here's, the, uh, here's the story. A top secret research facility in uh, 1962. Yep. 
and uh, a janitor, a mute janitor, played by the amazing Sally Hawkins. Paddington's mom. Like, Sally Hawkins is just one of those actresses that she can do no wrong. Yeah, her time has come. Yeah. Like, it's all Sally Hawkins all but, the time. But it kind of feels like her time has been coming for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but she's got nominated for Oscars and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, apparently she's Spanish. Is she? Espe- no, in Esposito? <laughs> is her oh, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so Sally Hawkins plays this uh, lonely janitor, uh, Eliza, Eliza Esposito. And she... Yeah, so basically she she's a janitor and she works She's basically with, a janitor in Area 51 in Baltimore. Yeah. Area 52. And she works with her good friend Zelda, played by Octavia Spencer, another amazing actress. She lives with uh, Giles, this uh, struggling artist, played by Richard Jenkins, another amazing actor. Yep. I mean, casting is awesome in yep. this film. And um, Richard Strickland, played by Michael Shannon, is the guy who has brought... The Amphibian Man, played by Guillermo del Toro's favorite guy to be in a movie where you don't see his face, Doug Jones. Yes, Dougie Jones. <laughs> Doug Jones. And there's this very, very quick moment with um, Eliza when, when, they bring, when they bring the Amphibian Man in. And it's very sort of like, it's very sort of normal when they bring the amphibian man in. Like, they don't mind the fact that the janitors are there. That yeah. The, that the cleaning ladies are there. Yeah. And while they're having a conversation, no one seems to be particularly bugged by the fact that the cleaning lady is going up to this fucking massive thing. Yeah. And They got clearance. And not only looking at it, but touching it. Yeah. And that's how, that's that first connection that she has with the amphibian man. Is that yeah. when she realizes, like, holy shit, what the fuck is in here? Yeah. You know? With the asset. With the asset, with the asset. And then she goes off, but she's very much sort of intrigued by, yeah. what, uh, by, by what he is. And then after that, just decides to spend all of her lunch breaks there and... Introduce the fishman to... Eggs. Music and eggs. Music and eggs. Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, relationships have been founded on worse. Yeah. Uh, but there is a nice little moment that unfortunately, uh, if you're watching it in Malaysian cinemas, you will not see. But there's this one interesting moment... Very early on in the film, before she meets the amphibian man, where they sort of lay the foundation of um, sort of sexual pleasure in water. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and, uh, and, and, and I thought that... Uh, they, have a, they have a nice sequence where they show her daily grind. Yeah. And literally. They, literally. <laughs> <laughs> where they literally show her daily grind. And they yeah. lay the foundation for her sort of associating sexual feelings with water with water yeah because yeah. I, I should say I got to see this at a uh, before the other radio show um, Umu had a phone interview with Guillermo del Toro before the Oscars so they Fox kindly invited us to a screening in their screening rooms yeah, so we yeah. got to see it fully uncut first yeah and, and I, thing- s- I saw the cut version um, uh, for the first time and then the second time I saw it I was fortunate enough to see an uncut version nice and uh, I think well, from the rest of the review if you're wondering in Malaysia the audiences they haven't fucked up the cut no. Nothing is lost. I think no, it's no, 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 very no. well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they well spent the money on I it. I mean, as opposed to uh, Red Sparrow, where the cuts are very jarring. Yeah. This one actually feels that there was a serious attempt to try and make it as unnoticeable as possible. Exactly. And for the most part, it succeeds. Yeah. So if you do go and see Shape of Water in the Malaysian cinemas, you will not notice it. You will yeah. not feel You're not cheating. missing anything. Yeah. And they actually show a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one bit towards, uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the third act of the film... Where you kind, where the where um, Eliza and uh, the amphibian man do kind of have a a moment, and you see more than you, you're used to seeing in yeah. in, in, in Malaysian. I was surprised in some parts. Yeah. I was surprised by certain. There's parts. one part where they did CGI on like a bodysuit onto her. 
or like a, like a, like some shadows. Yeah, it, looked, it kind of looked like she was wearing an, uh, a negligee or something, which which worked fine. Yeah, it didn't, yeah. see, it, didn't it wasn't like they scro- scrawled over the yeah. film with pen or something. Yeah, like that, 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 they took some effort with it. Yeah, didn't care. and so just uh, I mean, and that is pretty much the story. Like just sort yeah. of like getting back to the story. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and from I mean, point, everyone knows by now it's the fish sex movie. Yeah, and and from that point on, you're just watching their relationship develop. Obviously, there's a bad guy. Like Michael yeah. Shannon is clearly the bad guy. As soon as you fucking see him, because he dragged that thing out of South Africa all the way here, and we didn't get to like, like each other much. much. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Shannon's amazing in this film. Also, uh, equally amazing is uh, Michael uh, Schulberg. Yes, Michael Schulberg, who plays, who plays Doctor Hofstetter. Doctor Bob. I'm, I'm I'm positive. I've heard this name in a film. Hofstetter. Hofstetter. Yeah, it's probably, I, it might be something from the Man with Two Brains or something. Even even it's even, not Doctor Hofstetter. A lot of these. A lot of these uh, characters' names are names for uh, very, very popular characters in in cinema, and I think Willem Dafoe is such a geek yeah. that this cannot be an accident. Yeah. Like Octavia Spencer's character being named Zelda, I'm sure is not an accident. Yeah. It cannot be an accident. Uh, fucking Michael Shannon being called Strickland, Mr. Strickland, Back to the Future. Yeah, that yeah. can't be an accident. <laughs> Hofstetter, I know I've heard that name before. <laughs> Eliza Esposito, you know, I mean, sounds close to Jennifer Esposito. <laughs> but basically, and like even like, uh, and then there's another character, David Hewlett, his name is Fleming, Ian Fleming. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so... Kind of like growing up watching Guillermo del Toro's movies. I mean, if you're familiar with all of the films that he's done, he's just as much of a fan as he is a filmmaker. Yeah. So I refuse to believe <laughs> that he's not super hyper aware of what he's doing. Of what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and um, I mean, basically, this is you could say this is the the uh, the more serious artistic version of Splash. Yes. Very much so, but I think as well, <laughs> even I, even down to the structure of the plot. Yeah, but even the, the second time around watching it, like breaking the creature out, like ET, like fucking Mac and Me, like all those creature features, or Splash, or Splash, the yeah. way that he breaks it, you know, he breaks. Yeah, but in, in Splash, I mean, in Splash, it happens closer to the end. By the way, we should probably say that we're gonna assume that. Most people have seen it by now. Yeah, okay, we're so, gonna spoilers, so, yeah. so I think let's just uh, be upfront right from the beginning. We're going to be talking about some spoilery stuff. Yeah, from here on out, it's full spoilers. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but when she re- okay, so yeah, spoilers. yeah, spoilers. You deliver. That's what you do. You deliver, right? Right? No, but when she rescues him, yeah, that's the same as Splash. You know, like res- <laughs> rescues him from a government facility. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but what's nice is it happens. I think earlier than it does in Splash. Yeah. And there's a lot more to the movie after that that yeah, I really like. Yeah, yeah. As someone who's been shedding their skin constantly for the last week, I really felt with the amphibian. For those of you who aren't aware of what he's talking about, uh, I'm horribly, horribly McNally sunburned. McNally is uh, horribly burned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very badly burned. <laughs> I'm shedding on the couch. <laughs> he is literally shedding on the couch. <laughs> so I really felt for Doug Jones, you know? Everybody felt for Doug Jones. Mm. It's hard not to feel for Doug Jones. He's he's such an amazing physical performer. Yeah, there's a moment where he's standing looking at a window, and it's like the most. It looks like he looks like the the Batman from the beginning of the animated the animated series, where he's standing on the rooftop with like yeah. shoulders thrust back, you know, fucking glutes tucked in, ready yeah. to go. And his arms. This is the way he holds his arms at all times. Are like it D- just conveys D- power and motion and so much more. Doug Jones has the most amazing posture. Yeah. 
The most amazing posture. And he's super fucking thin. Yeah. Well, well, he has to be because you know that the shit that he's wearing to become the amphibian man is at least two inches thick. Yeah. I mean, so, this is so, why he keeps... Uh, there's a great um, article. I'm not sure if it's Vulture or The Atlantic. Have a, I think you look for like, you know, the man whose face you know... The most famous actor whose face you never see. Yeah. Some of those. And I always say, well, excuse me, I saw his face in Lead. For the, that's right. But um, at the reason why he gets these things is because he is so super skinny that when they put the prosthetics on him, he looks normal sized. Well, he's not just skinny. He's an amazing physical actor. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I mean, like in Pan's Labyrinth, he was Pan. Yeah. And he was the, the Eye Monster guy. Yeah, the Eye Monster guy. Uh, the Angel of Death in uh, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Yes, that's right. Uh, Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies. Um, Which is hard to get out of your head when you're watching this. I mean, they it, it is, it is, it is. <laughs> Even though you know that it was uh, influenced by Creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah. it does look very Abe Sapien-ish. Yeah. Very Abe Sapien-ish. Which is hard not to. Yeah, it's hard not to. Uh, and so, yeah, Doug Jones was the guy who played Abe Sapien. Doug Jones was also uh, the guy who played Silver Surfer in Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, he is the go-to motherfucker. Yeah. You know, you got you got Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah. He's the big guy yeah. in makeup. <laughs> the little Doug guy in makeup is Doug Jones. He's Doug Jones. Yeah, and he's amazing. He was also Mac, in, Mac at Night. You know the McDonald's advertising when there was a big moon face guy? Oh, yeah? That was one of his first gigs. Oh, shit. Because they needed someone who was tall enough to make the mask look like it was normal sized. Right. Which I did not know. That blew my mind. There's a couple of other ads he's done that you know of that are, yeah. it, it's insane. It's pretty fucking tall. And he doesn't talk, I mean, at all in this movie. He just goes, blah, 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 and that's about it. And, and I love that. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I love the fact that that this is really a cinematic experience. You know, From I the mean, opening. It's, so, it's, yeah, this got, I think it got best uh, production design, right? In the Oscars? We, we were talking about this. I can't remember. Yeah. I know it got best score, best director, best picture. I can't remember what the fourth one is. But this is truly cinematic. And just as, as it is with all of Del Toro's movies. But... You really sort of do feel that you're entering this alternate world. And and again, like, you know, we mentioned Creature from the Black Lagoon. We mentioned Abe Sapien. But I also felt that it had a... It really did remind me a lot of um, uh, Genet and Caro. Oh, I haven't seen that. Genet, no, no, I mean... Like oh, the, 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 film, the filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the guys oh, who, Jean-Paul Genet, yeah, yeah. The, the guys big. who did City of Lost Children. The guys who did Delic- Delicatessen. Amelie. Amelie, I mean, like this, I mean, there is a very Amelie vibe from the color yes. palette and everything, and also the score. Yes, and I'm quite sure it's the same composer. Uh, Best achievement in production design, so I did get that. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, but I do think it is the same composer, and it does have this sort of whimsical sort of uh, thing that that just sort of permeates throughout the entire film, and it feels very much like a really beautiful fairy tale. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it opens with that great Richard Jenkins mm. voiceovers. Like, what would I tell you if I was to tell you about her? Mm. And just, would I tell you about the time or the s- small city by the sea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. would I tell you about the princess with no voice and all this kind of stuff? And it sets it up with this beautiful underwater... Like, it's, there's no reason for that opening thing yeah. at all. But but but, it, but at the same time, there's, there's all the reason for it. Yes. You know, but you don't get it until the movie's over. Yeah. Now, but... Uh, no, I, I really, really loved it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And um, when I saw it, I was going in just as cold as Red Sparrow. Yeah. I purpose, I did not see a single trailer. Uh, no TV spots, didn't see any footage, didn't watch any publicity interviews, nothing. Yeah, yeah. All I knew was that it was a love story between a woman and... And a fish monster. And a fish monster. That, yeah. That's all I knew. I, I didn't know shit else about it. Yeah. And I was really, really grateful for that. Because going in there and watching it, like the way it starts, if you don't know anything about it, 
it's it's bizarre because as a Del Toro fan, you think to yourself, you know, well, you know, it's Guillermo del Toro. I I understand that, you know, but but he's in in a sense there's a lot of humanity in that first half. No, but but then again, all of his films have that. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's kind of on the other spectrum of of Tim Burton. Yeah, you know, like these two guys who make these quirky, weird movies. Whereas somewhere along the way, Tim Burton just just went corporate. Yeah. Whereas Guillermo del Toro has maintained the heart. Yeah. The the heart, you know, like he, all of his movies, whether you uh, connect with them or not, have a big, huge, beating heart. Even Pacific Rim. Yeah. For even though I'm not a fan, there was a serious attempt there to really sort of create like some some drama and to give Charlie Hunman's character a real proper reason for being how he is. Yeah. Um, and all of Del Toro's movies have that. They have the, they have that heart, yeah. that amazing sort of beating heart that sort of runs through the whole film. And that's that's the great thing with all these great character actors as well. Is like they're all no one's wasted. No one's wasted. Exactly. I was I was so happy to see David Hewlett. I loved him from his mm-hmm. twitchy turn in uh, Stargate those mm-hmm. years ago, where he's mm-hmm. just like a twitchy doctor who's terrified of going through the gate and having shit happen to yeah. him, and shit happened to him, and yeah. it was great. And seeing him turn up and be this other twitchy guy with a with a clipboard, yeah, yeah, and be like, but it's my car. Yeah, <laughs> there he is, Captain Doctor Fucking Shitberg. Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Shitberg, Michael Shannon. This is the perfect. You talk about the shape of water. This is the perfect shape of a movie to drop him into. Like the role is just perfect, Shannon. Watching it the second time, I was watching him more than anything else. Mm. Just the the chewing no, on no, the sweets too. thing is so fucking good. Yeah, He's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. the no one's. I don't think anyone, but the movies. They're, they're smoking by the the the, the laundry bay, but like. A character who would be constantly smoking. Instead, he's just chewing on these dirty candies. And by the time they get to the end and they explain more about the candies, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, there are uh, nicer candies out there, some of that foo-foo shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like them. They're cheap. And in a nutshell, that's Guillermo del Toro. Because mm. he took this, I think, was it you told me or Uma told me? This is like 20 million, 30 yeah. million movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is insane for what's on screen. Again, yeah. this is why the production design is, is got awarded because... Yeah. Like watching this, I don't know. You don't know Bioshock, the video game at all, but it has like I think they even use Beyond Beyond the Sea in this a little bit because I want to hear that because that is so uh, infused with Bioshock. And Bioshock is a game set in an underwater utopia that's yeah. gone wrong. Yeah, and it has the same design ethos as this. Mm-hmm. Like it would, you could put the two of them back to back and they would fit together beautifully. I would love to see the Avatar do a Bioshock movie now, mm-hmm. although there'd be no fish sex, just giant, um, giant diving suit monster sex instead. But it's just the whole film's just watery. There's just the rain running down the windows the whole time. And then, of course, as the Guillermo del Toro uh, takes, like, let's put a cinema in there because I love cinema. Yeah. But also, I mean, just the, the amount of imagery that he's able to sort of conjure up and the amount of uh, kind of I was thinking, me- metaphors using water. I was thinking of the, you know, the, the, those like, poster spy and those guys who do all the edits, all the, their own versions of the poster. Yeah. There's going to be one with the fish monster just looking at the screen. Standing in the empty cinema, looking up at the yeah, screen yeah, while yeah, was yeah. it the, the something of Ruth is playing? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I mean, it, it, it's just a beautiful image. Yeah. Or the, there's one with Richard Jenkins standing by the window, and then him standing by the window as well, both looking out, and yeah. just it's just. There's so many influences in there. You know, you look at bits in there, and you think you think to yourself, "Well, there's a little bit of cinema paradiso in there." Yeah. You know, there's a there's a little bit of this, there's a little bit of that, and it's just it's you can tell that this is a, a, a film made by a guy who just loves film, not just film, but not just uh, as a fan of film, but as a fan of film history. Yeah. 
uh, that's very that plays very much. Yeah, like in, of all the films you could put on on, on the cinema downstairs, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Mardi Gras and something else. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. two asses in Mardi Gras. No, but even like the <laughs> musical sort of dance aspect of it. As yes, well, that's very sort of old school. Like the, the, you know, you, you cannot have that in your film without being a fan of film history. That's why I said to Uma before his interview, is it like, so you're going to ask him which is the harder sell, the fish monster sex or the musical black and white number in the third act? Mm-hmm. And fair dues to Uma, he altered it a bit, but he asked, he asked that question and Guillermo was like, no, 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 that was they were always part of the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie, I think it was one where he poured his heart and soul into it and he just made what he, he put, like he didn't, it wasn't like they added stuff as they went along, I think. Yeah. It, and, I mean, you can tell. it's Everything's deliberate. Yeah. Even the, the crazy Russian gangster yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like some butter kick? Mm-hmm. No, all of that works great. But I was just very taken by the influences. Yeah. You know, like just, you know, yeah, City of Lost Trail. Like the beginning of the film, the opening sequence. Even the design of the tank and the, 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 the thing that you can see him in. It's very French. Yes. It's very French. City of Lost yeah. Children, very much the opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opening of the film is like, this is City of Lost fucking Children. Yeah. You know, and then certain aspects of it is like, holy shit, this is Splash. Holy Which is shit. why I was wondering, where's Ron Perlman? It's like, holy shit, this is, this is Cocoon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it meant there's, there's so many different things in there. Yeah, just a bit, but it, but it makes them new again. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a patchwork quilt. It feels like a new experience. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, it's I'm I mean I'm very happy that Guillermo del Toro has won an Oscar. Yeah, the fact that the director of Hellboy is now an Academy Award winning director, I think, is awesome. Yes, but it's very interesting. I mean, I think that this year was a very very. I mean, I haven't seen every single film. Yeah. that was nominated for Best Picture, but this year more than a lot of years, this year feels very strong. Yeah, you but know, the, like, the, the like weird a, thing is a lot of the press have been talking about how these movies are maybe a little bit like they're not in line with what the audiences want to see though, which people have been talking about. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, mm. Shape of Water has made very good money. Get Out, um, get out get was like, it, it really made, got in with audiences. Yeah, it really Get Out's made great money. Even even some of the smaller films like Lady Bird and Three, Billboard, Three Billboards have made good money mm. for the kind of movies they are. And, you know, I've seen Three Billboards, I've seen Lady Bird, and they're very strong films. And, you're trying to sort of sort of say like what would be you know Dunkirk as well another really really strong film yep. what deserves to win and you're looking at all of them I en- I enjoyed all of them very much and mm-hmm. I'd be hard pressed to to pick a favorite yeah no to, we did to, a, we did a production show and it was like I'd love to see Guillermo get it yeah but I don't think he will knowing the Academy but obviously maybe all those new young bloods in the Academy these days are like no we're gonna we're gonna outvote the old facts no but also the way that the voting system works is that. You're voting your, you're ranking your films. Ah, okay. So if it's a proportional representation. So system. if a if a certain amount of people say that Shape of Water is number their, two. Their, their number one pick, and then a lot of people say it's their number two pick. Yeah. If if the movie and get, and, and get out is only fours and fives, yeah, but it's yeah. also a lot of ones. Then yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah. Then so 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 it probably okay, worked a little that. bit like that as well. It's like they're not just saying like, oh, this is my favorite. They actually give a list and they rank it. Yeah. And so based on the rankings and the sort of like, you know, the, me- the medium of the... Yeah, yeah. The median. The medium. Median. 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 I only know how to say it in, in Malay. Yeah, yeah. Median. You know? <laughs> no. So to Papulo Hans Plo. Speaking of the Malay audiences, I was quite surprised that the whole... I, the, we, weren't, we were going to review this on the radio before seeing it, the local version. I was quite surprised and happy as well, talking about, you know, representation and all that, to see they left in... Most of Richard Jenkins' kind of unrequited love story with the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, pie yeah. guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was nice, very nicely done. And it's like it doesn't need to be in the movie, but it's very nice to have it. And it, it, it again, Richard Jenkins, just want to give him a hug. When, they, when it's a point where, like, again, spoilers, he eats his cat. 
But he's like, and the, any other movie that would be like, yeah, my fucking cat, and it'd be drama. But instead, it's like he doesn't know. No, he's a wild animal. Yeah, he's a wild yeah. animal. Richard Jenkins is one of those guys. He's like Patrick Stewart. He's looked the same age since the eighties. Yeah. Because I, I remember the first time I sort of really noticed Richard Jenkins as an actor was Witches of Eastwick. Mm. Is he the preacher guy? Or he's the no, no. He's guy? um he's the guy who runs the local paper. Ah. And the guy whose wife starts to go nuts. The guy whose wife, like uh, the Veronica Cartwright, the you know the woman who like vomits out all the cherries. All the cherries, yeah, yeah. You know, and then he ends up sort of. He, then he ends up killing her. Yeah. Oh, when he really came to my mind was the the cabin of the woods. Just himself yeah. and Bradley Whitford were fucking amazing. And yeah, 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 yeah. But he's one of these actors that's been around forever. Yeah, forever. and he was he was nominated for best supporting for this as well, wasn't he? Was he? I think he was. Uh, well, well deserved. Yeah, Fish no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I, I think it's I think it's a great film. I think it's I think it's unfair to say return to form uh, because. You know, there are a lot of people that did like Pacific Rim and there are a lot of people that did like Crimson Peak. Um, But no, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that this won. I think it's awesome that uh, that Guillermo del Toro won. I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. We're finally going to get that Mountains of Madness back on track. (laughs) No. And uh, and I'm also a really, really big fan of his um, Troll Hunters. Oh, I haven't watched that. It's it's fucking good. I've heard good things about it's it. It's fucking good. I mean, for a long time when we were doing the news section, he was the busiest man in Hollywood because he had like 72 things every single week. And um, Troll Hunters is officially the the last uh, thing that Anton Yeltsin did. Because oh. Anton, Anton, Anton Yeltsin was the, the, the lead. Oh, right. But he completed all of his recordings for the first two seasons. Yeah. So now they're playing season two. And... Uh, and uh, Thoroughbreds is coming out. That's in terms of live action. That's his last film. Mm. But he's really—I mean, Troll Hunters is really, really good. It's—it's it's a now that's a children's cartoon. Yeah, that works done for, really well. Yeah, works for works for adults as well. Yeah, yeah. And Mark Hamill's in season two. Hey. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, like uh, the character that he's playing, they were like, oh, "We're going to kill him off after the first episode." But Mark Hamill came in, they slayed it, and they were like, oh, "We got to rewrite the script. <laughs> we got to keep this character around." Nice. So yeah, if you haven't seen Shape of Water uh, and you've listened till the end, then I'm really sorry. Yeah, because <laughs> we've been spoiling some stuff for you. But I think there's still plenty in there. There's, so we haven't there even is. talked that much about Octavia Spencer, and she's got a real, again, you get real humanity to it, a lot of humor from her character. Octavia Spencer is just genius. Yeah, like everything she does just feels so real. Like the fact that she's just she's constantly my feet are already hurt. Yeah, like, constantly. She's just, she's just bitching. Yeah, <laughs> she's, bitching she's giving about her Brewster. He's like, yeah, yeah. motherfucker doesn't say anything. Like, I'm not good at lying, except the Brewster. Yeah, takes a lot of lies to make a marriage work. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. That's the other thing. There's a lot of. And humor. then when you finally meet Brewster, he's an asshole. He's a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> you understand why she's been bitching the whole time. Yeah. Ah, fuck you, Brewster. Punky Brewster. <laughs> it was kind of weird though for me to see Nick Searcy because he's been. A weird uh, right wing nut after Justified, apparently. He just like, oh, yeah? he's the kind of guy, if you say something about him on Twitter, he'll come to you and give out to you and shit. Oh, really? really? Yeah. Well, then he's not really acting in this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he turns up in uh, three, bil- three billboards as well. Yeah, who, who was in that? He was, uh... he was uh, playing a, a similar kind of character. The guy who was like trying to get Francis McDermott to just knock it off. To knock it off. Francis McDermott, man, what a badass! Yeah, fucking badass. <laughs> that that was a role again where she well deserved, but it was a very it was a showy role, but like she fucking nailed it. It was a showy role, but it wasn't done 
the way she played it was very, very understated. Yeah. It could have been much bigger. I think they showed, the, one of the clips they showed during the Oscars was like the whole thing where she drills the dentist to the thumb mm-hmm. and the cop and Woody Harrison comes over and says, yeah, and it's just, she talked about it earlier about some like a fat dentist as well. It was like three things. It was like, oh no, it was uh, Dixon. It was uh, Sam Rockwell's Sam character. Rockwell. Oh, I mean, complaints from a fat dentist and something else. I thought these other two characters would pop up as well. And she just, he just says like, did you, you didn't happen to drill a tiny hole in the thumb of a fat dentist earlier today. And she looks at him and goes, no, because she's got the fucking Novocaine. Novocaine. No, 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 But one of the most genius things of that film, sorry, we're talking about different Yeah, well, you know, we ramble. One of the most genius things of, of uh, Three Billboards for me is that it makes, it somehow pulls off the miracle of making a racist character sympathetic. Yeah. Because at the end of the movie, he's, he hasn't changed. Not much, no. He hasn't changed. He's, and, still, he's still racist. And they got but, a, yet, but yet you're like, yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that's nuanced. And I think a lot of people complain about it because it was like giving a redemption arc and we shouldn't. They talk about representation matters. This is the flip side of that. It's like, yeah. should we see these kind of characters because they're kind of cool and he won an Oscar for it? But it's interesting to see it and his redemption doesn't work out, which worked out nicely. Yeah. He's still an asshole, but he's also, even with the smartest thing he's ever done, turns he's out still, to be wrong. He's still <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I loved it. I thought that was great. Yeah. But anyway, back to Shape of Water. I highly recommend this movie if you haven't seen it. If you if you if your significant other doesn't want to go see it, just grab a what was it uh, Alabama Howdy Doody and smack them into the fucking theater. Yeah. <laughs> a man washes his hands before or after he goes to the bathroom, not both. If he does both, then that suggests a weakness of character. Yes. <laughs> Again, Octavia Spencer's there's like, oh, Mister P's with his hands on his hips. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to see us. <laughs> and I and I was watching that movie and I was thinking to myself. I guess I have a weakness of character. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we'll sign off. So thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know. Uh, You can like us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, I think, as well. Share the podcast with your friends if you like it. Give us a shout out on Twitter. We're on at McGettonFries. We're on Instagram as at McGettonFries as well. Keep an eye out there. We'll be posting some old stuff and new stuff if you're new to the podcast. Uh, You can also tweet us directly. I'm on at McNastyPrime. I'm at GabYep. And you can email us at podcast at McGettonFries if you have any questions, recipes, delights things mm. you want to share let us know send in your uh, recipe ideas influenced by the shape of water <laughs> fish tacos <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> <laughs>